It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Roman Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to episode two of Live Sharp Sessions on the Trademate Sports YouTube channel where we answer your betting questions, discuss both new and old betting strategies, preview the weekend sporting action and welcome on beautiful guests from around the betting industry such as we have today, Pro Sports Better, Trademate co-founder Jonas Yelstad. Welcome back mate. Oh, thank you. What an intro. Well, it's well-deserved, mate. It's well-deserved. <laughs> thank you. I don't know if I'll qualify as a proper sharp anymore, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Nice, mate. Well, uh, got our first ever viewer from Australia outside of me, so that's a, that's a good start. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, we've got, we've, got, we've got a few questions lined up here already, but we can uh, we can start with the obvious. How have you been? What's been happening? What's you what have you been up to? <laughs> Lots of things have changed. I got a little baby now. He's a three months old son. Um, kind of relocated to Bali. I'm not sure how long I'll stay, but probably stay a little while. Um, so out here it's a bit more tricky uh, with the gambling situation, but there is a lot of other good opportunities. Um, such as uh, real estate, so I'm looking into some different adventures. Yeah, yeah. But no. of course, I'll get into. I'm still a little bit active in the betting scene, so I'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. So, what's the what's the Balinese property market like, mate? Well, there's a lot of things that's different. Uh, for instance, the most common thing that people do here is they buy something called leasehold. So you own a property from anywhere from 20 to 60 years. But it's because of, I think it's a lot to do with the war in uh, Ukraine. So a lot of Russians and Ukrainians have relocated here. And I guess also Thailand. Um, so uh, what's what have happened is that there's been like more demand than supply uh, in rental market. So people now is basically paying anywhere from 20 to 40% of the property value in, uh, in rent in a year. So, mm. and a lot of this doesn't have what I call European standards, which of course is fine. We're in Bali. I'm not expecting everything to be how I grew up or how other yeah. people want it. But for me, at least, I'd prefer to have enclosed living room so you don't have, uh, I don't know, if it's snakes or if it's other animals, insects creeping in uh, and using you your house as that. a highway. Nah, so, so like certain standards I'd like to have. But so I'm considering like building something but trying to make it a bit more affordable and uh, just using less land so smaller properties but at least fulfilling more people's need because it's so it's it's hard to find a well now i'm going to sound very arrogant when i say it but it's it's hard to find uh an okay place there for less than 2k us a month for for two bedrooms and yeah. so it's it's pretty, which I consider very pricey. I mean, people coming here studying or like not studying, but digital nomads. Of course, you can get something like uh, just uh, called like a guest house, which is more like a bungalow. So you don't have a 
kitchen or anything and that's like five six hundred dollars but can't or i don't want to live like that especially now that i have a family and uh yeah so are you able to live i guess maybe better than in if you were living say in london like you were before like can you have like cleaners and shit like that all the time maybe a little chef in there for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i mean pretty similar to how it was in Noah in London, yeah. I would say. Um, so, um, so you're living well, mate, and you got a bit of sun around the clock, mate. You're nice. Yeah, well, it's been rainy, and uh, so when we were, we were living in London, we had a cleaner. A lot of like during COVID, I think we had like a cleaner, or before COVID, like six times a week or something. When yeah. I was living in the house. And after we left, then she started cleaning for Brentford. So so now oh, right. she's like cleaning for a bunch of the Brentford players. So. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. She's nice, cool mate. though. Yeah. Dolly was um, her name. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Shout out to her. Um we got some questions coming through already, mate. But yeah. um so we got Florian Florian uh doorman. I've, I know that's not how you pronounce it, mate, but uh, that's what we'll go with today. He goes, who do you think is the better, better, better artificial intelligence or the human being? I think a lot of the top syndicates has been using AI for quite some time. Uh, so my, I would then say AI. As in AI to create, like, you know, create bets or like you know know what to bet or do you mean as in placing the bets uh i mean ai as in you build a model based off ai yeah and you give all the player values and stuff like that you update that them using ai and i think they are superior to us humans just like in chess and poker that's super interesting. Have you, have you, I mean, this guy also asked, do you use artificial intelligence yourself for your own bets? If you, I mean, you know, I know you don't do too much betting now, but have you? Uh, no, but like I said, uh, so what I mostly have done now is I've just been connecting people. So if people that I know is, has good bets, I've connected them with outs that I know can get down bigger amounts. So I don't, ever question like how they like any of their picks or any of these things um so but i know a lot of them are using ai so in turn like in terms of the ai are they um because i guess you hear a lot of modelers say they yeah they have their models but then they have to like you know have some kind of human say on you know how much a certain player is worth or like say you know a big player gets injured like a i don't know erling harland or something like that do they rely on themselves to um input that change into the model or do they solely uh rely on ai uh none of them have like displayed how their models are working but i do assume they're putting in the lineups and when you put in a lineup, you will get like the expected goals and using uh, expected goals for each team, you will be able to find what kind of prices you should be looking for, for all the different Asian handicap and all the different uh, like total goals and yeah, whatever you want to bet on. 
the only thing that you won't be able to get is like player props like a player to receive a yellow card and play first goal scorer and these kind of things but anything just related to the match you will be able to get just using uh, um, uh, expected goals which you will get from your models so yeah, when you okay. put in the lineup and then you know there's uh, a lot of these people are very good in predicting lineups also and I remember one guy he said like uh, uh, well I'm not sure yeah, I'm not going to reveal too much I guess by saying it but um, he was saying like yeah, every week they get like all the lineups correct in in one of the top five leagues and they're missing like three three out of how many is it like 420 players in the starting lineups if it's 20 teams playing no 220 fuck Let me give me so, one second here. I am yeah, two hundred and twenty, and they got like two hundred seventeen right. And he was like, they were running at like over minus twenty percent, and they just couldn't understand why they were doing that in one specifically while they were doing very well in all the other leagues. And it was one of the top five leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, um, the earlier you bet, the softer are the markets. But also, the more you are putting yourself in jeopardy for not getting the predicted lineup but if you have a strong uh, reason to believe that certain player is going to play or is not going to play uh, with the model like that you will be able to figure out the prices quite ahead of the others and miss there's a lot more mispricing earlier on as you can see like on premier league there's most of the the lines are drifting with like over 10 points from let's say 9 a.m uk time till kickoff yeah, okay. It's super interesting that you say that a lot of the big syndicates are using AI, you know, to, to come up with bets because, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe just in, in years gone by here, most people say that, you know, they've obviously got their model, which is driven a lot by AI, but there is like, you know, it wouldn't be able to function without human input. So it's, I guess, an interesting yeah, development. It could be that they are using some human input though, but... Yeah. Imagine it shouldn't be too difficult. Like you can get all the lineups but as soon as they are uh, revealed on Twitter. Uh, you can put the lineups from Twitter into your model, and then it can spit out prices. You will probably have an odds feed from all the bookmakers, so you can then just spit out just like TradeMate shows what kind of edges is available. This mm-hmm. can then spit out what kind of edges is available on if it's Pinnacle or if it's ISN, Singbet, whichever site they're using because that's like what most people are using in terms of getting down yeah okay oh interesting stuff mate um bruce and tio says hey i missed the start where are you staying it's in he's in bali mate and he also asks do you not think a martingale type strategy would be a good idea on well-researched plays controversial it's a very good idea if you have unlimited money and unlimited betting limits. Yes. But nobody has that, unfortunately. So now I just stick with flat staking. And before you know you have an edge, you should probably have about 200 betting units or 200 uh, bets. Once you start thinking you have an edge, you maybe increase it to 1%. And on the bets, you're very sure you have an edge on. Maybe about 2% of your betting bankroll, something like that. 
or bet yeah. to win. So like if the odds is four, you're gonna bet less than if the odds is evens. Yeah. It's it's funny how I feel like Martingale's like the one of the like if you're just starting betting, I feel like it's probably the most like promoted strategy for beginners you, do you think like that was probably when i first started betting like 18 19 open up your first sports book i reckon that uh, was like one of the first things that someone tells you you should try <laughs> uh, like my dad told me that when i was i don't know like nine years old he'd figured out how to beat <laughs> online casinos so he used martingale but he was like he thought he was smarter about it because he would spin the roulette table until it was either five reds in a row or five blacks in a row and then he would start spinning because that would reduce the chances of them coming again and i was like no it's like even though i was like 10 years old i realized that that made no sense whatsoever yeah oh it's so great i mean it like on the surface, it sounds like a, a like it is believable because you're like one day you are going to win. Like one day yeah. it's going to happen, but like there's all the chance in the world that you could lose like you know ten, twenty yeah, yeah, in yeah. a row. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of this like YouTubers and uh, different like people trying to think they can outsmart the casinos and everything. It's like if the casino has an edge, it's not a staking strategy that will give you an edge. The only way you will get an edge is if you have some kind of bonuses or uh, you're getting some kind of uh, either a bonus or cashback from your losses. Then you can use staking strategy to gain an edge. But if the, they have an edge, you are losing EV every time you're staking. But yes, you will probably have more winning days than losing days. But the losing days will just like totally ruin you. Yeah. Did, have you, when was the last time... You went to a, a casino in person. Um, quite a while ago. I don't know. When was the last time I played any poker events? Probably Barcelona four years ago or something. But like just a regular casino because I went a couple of months ago. And oh, no, I went. To, oh, sorry. Yeah, I just I couldn't believe I went to the roulette table and they had i didn't know this was a thing but they had three zeros like three green <laughs> like is that a thing yeah. elsewhere in the world i also heard on another another podcast circles off good podcast uh, and they're based in canada and he was saying that they had three or four like uh, zeros there too i just i didn't even know this was a thing until a couple of months ago um i've seen double zeros in i think some casinos have double zeros in vegas but I yeah. think it just usually it's if you go to those casinos where you know people are betting five bucks or something like that, uh, five bucks and the casino is making like three percent. How much is that? Like fifteen cent a spin. It's like barely covering the, or probably not even covering uh, the, the salaries, and then you need yeah. to cover all the other things also. So they just want to squeeze up more margins. Yeah, double zero is called a French roulette, I think, yeah. See. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, we had triple zeros, so I was like, this is just unbelievable. I don't know how these people get away with this shit. Like, the hold that casinos in general have on, you know, all their games, and then yeah. they go on, oh, it's so But you still have the people that's outsmarting them, right? The people that's looking and it's been red five times in a row, so now they start martingale in the black. Yeah, my uh, my strategy was 
when I would have been like 19 or 20 was I used to play the thirds. So like I would play two thirds. So I, 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 I thought in my head that like if I play one to 24 and just yeah. leave the other 12, I've got a 66% chance of winning every single time. So like mathematically, I'm just going to continue to win. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, your numbers were pretty spot on, though. And the, and the first time I tried it, I turned like ten dollars into three hundred dollars, and I honestly thought I was Oof. a fucking genius. It's no looking back. <laughs> oh, those are the days. Um, yeah. Bread, bread. He goes. We're getting promo band after match betting using some retail corporate soft bookies such as DraftKings, Bet365, and then transitioning into value betting. Uh, accelerate the likelihood of getting limited. So promo band after match betting is a, like I am not really familiar with match betting, but match betting is that's that's basically when you're betting uh, on whatever like, you want to bet on, and then you're laying it off on exchanges. So basically, trying to get find a share bet, and then yeah, it's getting like the turning. Bonus. Yeah, it's the exact same as arbing, except maybe you take a little loss, but you're turning over the bonus and turning it into real money. Okay, so in an ideal world, you're looking to find like a high odds, so you're more likely to win on the exchange and then just like losing on the soft book, right? Um, I think you want to win on the. What well, doesn't it really matter? I think because if you, it depends on the turnover requirement. If there you have to turn over your money uh, or their bonus yeah. that they're giving you four or five times, it's probably you're better right. to win elsewhere. And you're then right, you know yeah. with, with the soft books and everything, they. It's better to, to to win on uh, sites that's easier to get the money out of. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so, but yeah, like it, I mean, if you get promo banned, you're most likely going to be limited from other things too. From my experience, at least. Yeah. It normally all happens at once. I mean, I don't do much betting on promo, so I'm really probably not the person to ask. But have you done much of that? Me. Yeah. Promos? No. Yeah. It would have been uh, not getting much uh, promos from uh, the sport market boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, they've added some good books there lately, though, I've noticed. Uh, there was one oh, yeah. for a good one for, for the UFC, I noticed. Uh, they're called Corso. Have you seen them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corso, they're actually. Uh, from what I, if I am correct, I think it's like a big, it's, uh, I don't know if I should out the names and everything, but I think they're like a big uh, agency that's like take big bets on uh, uh, most US sports and I think also football. So you yeah. can come to, to them and they will, you can ask for quotes and they will give you a quote for any any game and you could get down like hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I mean, the limits, I don't think they were, like, especially great, but um, at least on the UFC, they were always, like, a couple of ticks higher than Pinnacle in, uh, yeah, in some, on some fights, so. Um, yeah, and I've, but I think also sometimes it's, like, your bet is not going through with them. So it's, uh, yeah, I've just had a look every now and then, and, uh, yeah. Uh, who knows? But but I know they're I know them from the other industry or the agent side. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, got Bruce. He wants to catch up if you're ever in Singapore, mate. Oh, yeah. Uh, or maybe he's I, uh, talking to me. He's probably talking to me. Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, so uh, he, there you go. There you go, mate. He likes it. He likes the strategy. Yeah, I mean, who am I to say? I've never been a successful roulette player. <laughs> oh, that's a lie, actually. I went, I took my, I went with my girlfriend, her sister, and her cousin, and another friend to Palm Beach in London, and they wanted to play roulette. So I just, uh, I gave them like 300 pounds and I said, okay, whatever you win, you'll chop it up and uh, uh, yeah, I get my money back if you win, I said. So they go and they put like, how much did they put? Like 10 pounds each on a number and just nails it on the first uh, two spins. So I'm like, okay, guys, you're up a bit of profit now. I can, I'll take my money back. So I got my money back. And then what I see they do is like, one says like, oh, I think it's going to be red. And the other was like, oh, I think it's going to be black. So they're like putting 50 quid on red and black. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, you can't do this. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> we just oh hold for no green. Uh, and trust me, they were, not grinding, they were not grinding any comps or things like that. So I was like, fuck, this is... Uh, but uh, at least the the dealer was allowed us to take one bet back, and I think they nailed it. And uh, eventually, they realized they were gambling with profits, meaning their own money. So they stopped when they were up like five hundred or something. So they were very happy. Nice, I love it, mate. Uh, yeah. John Nimmo says, "Looking at fine tuning and making my betting it more efficient." Good long track record, especially for sports props. However, painful shopping around, especially with Australian bookies. This is not a question. This is just a statement. But yeah, good luck. Good luck, Johnny, mate. Hopefully, uh, <clears throat> there's lots of Australian bookies now. Um, yeah. There's actually a good, good also... guy. Sorry, keep going. No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, for it just sprung to mind. I'm trying, I'll try and find his name on. Um, on Twitter, but there's a really good guy to follow on Twitter. He's got like a list of every single bookmaker in Australia. So you can always check and see like he updates it every couple of months. Um, oh yeah, here it is. His name's, uh, it's at, at Nick White 1995. So for anyone in Australia looking to see what books they could utilize, that's a, uh, yeah, he's a good, uh, good guy to follow. I love how every time you're like, oh, let me go to the shop and see if I can get down something for you. Uh, or like you coming to me with the UFC pick and I'm like, okay, I'll take some action. And you're like, okay, let me go to the shop. Ah, bonkers. They just like slash the price. So they're basically using you as one of their uh, traders. And whenever you want to bet something, they just slash the price. Yeah, it's disgusting. They, they normally do that earlier in the week, but... Um, later in the week, sometimes, yeah, you can get a bet down. Uh, but like I've gone in sometimes on a Saturday, so we're talking about the day before and tried to bet like, I think it was like $500 or something like that. And they just legit say, no, not taking $1 and, uh, they move the price. Like 
That's, that's not, that should be illegal. It's actually unbelievable. I remember once in the UK, I tried to bet uh, on four horse races because I had, a, I think it was a William Hill or Coral or something pretty close to where I was living. And I put in this horse, I put a thousand, I put take the other horse, I put 20, now 2000. And in total, it was like 10K worth of bets. And I had happened to have some cash at my house. So I just brought 10K and I give it to him. And he's like, okay, that's a uh, hundred pounds. And I was like, hundred? I was like, it's 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, and 2,000. That's 10,000. Oh, he's like, oh. Uh, and then he's like, I need to phone it in. And then they slashed all these prices oh, and didn't get anything. Me. It's so, just uh, insane. Yeah. The industry, I feel like, is so fucked up. But of course, it's not targeting for anyone who wants to bet somewhat big. It's sure, if you have a big losing record, then go ahead. You're free to do whatever you want. Yeah, well, that's the part that makes it so fucked up. I mean, did you have you heard? Have you followed much of what's happening in Australia in terms of the commission here? No. There's like a, a half decent chance that they introduce minimum betting laws for for sports betting here now too. Um, they had some like I don't know too much about it, but they had some kind of like commission like hearing where they had to like the big operators here like the big this big sports books here like sports bet and i think it was ladbrokes and maybe someone else unibet or something they had to go and front some like game the gambling commission or something like that and or like an independent i can't remember what it was but um yeah and basically explain they asked them all these questions about limiting people like promos and promo inducing and all this kind of shit and yeah they've made like a like a recommendation to i assume it's the government or something like that that um some kind of minimum bet laws should be introduced for you know yeah, so it's I not think. unfair for people who win which is which is i would assume probably the first of its kind in the world maybe uh, actually that's i know uh, a country where well, it's a bit more complicated, uh, but in Spain, uh, you could basically yes. take uh, go to court. Like people went to court over losing their uh, three six five accounts, and and then they were able to just keep on betting and got didn't get free limits, but they had very acceptable limits. Like yeah. I think three six five had bigger limits than Pinnacle, basically, and uh, of course it's a lot softer. But on the other hand, in Spain, I think. They are also automatically taking away half of your profits for tax when you cash out. So there was like some complications there, but of course you're just pretending you're betting half stake if you're winning better. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. And I, I was, I think I posted it on my Twitter. I was, I basically said, I wonder if this will be a good or a bad thing because you wonder like. For one, you don't know how good the limits will be. Maybe they're like, you know, don't want to sound like a wanker, but pretty insignificant for guys that are have got big bankrolls. Um, yeah. And then, you know, are they going to become sharper? I kind of think, no, they won't. They'll just like potentially put up bet limits that are not amazing and then move off that, you know? like. So I don't know if yeah. it's a good I mean thing or a bad thing. Because that's what Brett's question is here too. If you're, if you're looking at uh, 
any bookmaker, anything. Like the only thing that they would need to, to do in order to be sharper, well, first of all, if they are increasing their margins, sure, yes, then they can take, uh, take down their latency in terms of reacting quickly. But if you look at even Pinnacle or Asian markets, whenever line uh, lineup comes out, if you are studying these things, you can find there are certain bookmakers which are slower than others. Like, uh, generally speaking, like uh, maybe Betfair is the fastest and Pinnacle and ISN, and then you have IS, IBC and SBO being a bit slower. Sing, sometimes you can see funny things happening with Singbet because uh, Sing has a, Sing is like a very weird bookmaker because I can have a Sing account and you can have a Sing account, but my limits could be 100 times your limits. And yeah. I guess the same for SBO and IBC, but Sing is the easiest one to get those accounts with. So you can see basically, uh, let's say I'm on the sharp side with my 100x uh, limits. So I'm betting the sharp side, then you're betting the dumb side. So we're just like, the odds just goes like up and down, up and down, up and down. But that's how you're able to get down a lot. But I've never been the one clicking or using any of these accounts. I have some people that's doing it. They're charging a bit to to use it, but they're also guaranteeing the money so you don't have to deal with those voids. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see in general if something comes in, but yeah, I am a little worried that it could make things potentially worse for for I guess professionals. Oh, it, it will be better, I'm thinking. <clears throat> yeah, well, we'll see. Um, John Nimmo says he did ask a question. I've reread your. Oh, maybe it didn't come through or something, mate. Send it through again because I I can't see any question from you. Um, Maybe their margins are getting smaller. Looking, yeah, I think that was when we were talking about roulette. Anyway, I don't know. Um, but mate, what are so? What are you doing now? What are you doing that you you said you were uh, working with some syndicates and stuff like that? Do you, go into it as much as you want, but yeah, share it with the people what you've been up to lately in terms of the betting space. Yeah, so to kind of well, it's. It's a very broad thing, but in short, a lot of the syndicates, they're like, they're not too interested in placing the screen prices. Screen prices meaning like uh, whatever Pinnacle has in limits, ISN and exchanges, uh, getting down there is tough to get down like significant amounts. And there are accounts where you could be getting down like, well, anywhere from 20K to 500K, probably some places can get over 500K also. So what they're doing is they're trying to bet when the lines are off. Uh, none of them are really manipulating the markets to kind of, uh, let's say, for example, I wanted to bet uh, early on Chelsea to beat Manchester United. The price is 195. A click on Pinnacle is 2K. If I were to just bet 2K on Manchester United and move Chelsea up to 198 and then being able to bet like 50K, I would get a better average odds. So. But also, if if anyone gets caught kind of doing these things, it's very bad. It will look bad, and the, that could also just shorten the longevity of the accounts and these kind of things. Because even in this space, everything is everyone is always trying to make sure that they're not booking any sharp action. And there's people booking bets from all over the world, basically. Mm -hmm. Everyone tries to get the piece of uh, 
of uh, the punters, whether they're in a illegal place for gambling or not. So what what they all kind of want is outs to be quiet. So if somebody is quoting, for example, pinnacle prices, or maybe they say pinnacle minus two. So if pinnacle has two in odds, they will be getting 198, but they can be getting maybe 10 times or 20 times, sometimes even 50 times, whatever the limits are on pinnacle. They're very happy to bet at slightly worse terms, especially if they bet early in the morning on match day. So I'm just like connecting people with or people that has good bets with these people that has good outs and uh, I'll just get a little piece of the action. Yeah. How did, so like how have, how have you met these people over time? Like is it just people contacting you through I don't know, maybe they got to know you through Trade Made or through the like YouTube series or how how are you building? Like how did you get started? Uh, well, I knew some people that were doing it and just started small and of course also been involved in poker and I think a lot of poker players are doing it, but there's very few that talks too much about it and yeah, just connecting people is uh, always been fairly easy in poker and whatever like you like poker, for example, now has started to become more apps. So if it's more apps in poker, well, you always like kind of fish for what's the best app. And then you start talking to people. What are you doing? Do you have any outs, any apps? And then you say that you do betting and they're like, oh, I know this guy. And then, you know, it just kind of snowballs. So it just, yeah, it's very easy to, to grow like that. And as long as you have a clean record with uh, not messing up and not uh, uh, like always paying, it's not a not an issue. But of course, there's there's a lot of not so serious people here also, just like there are gaming operators. <laughs> so like, I'm sure like if you go on, uh, I don't know what's the biggest gambling forums, but uh, if you look at certain companies with uh, especially a Curacao license, compare that to gaming operators with the Malta license, you're going to see a very big difference in terms of getting paid or not. And UK yeah. license, like everything is just, uh, it's a wild west over in Curacao, it seems like. So uh, betting in, yeah. So this like, uh, what, what would you call it? Like, um, I guess, you know, betting, structure that you've created like you taking small pieces of pies from just from connecting people together is that do you think for where you're at is it more like in terms of like let's just say you put 40 hours a week into you know connecting people and working with other people and taking their bets and taking a cut of that versus 40 hours a week of your own betting like what what's more I guess more viable for you these days is it like is that is that why you've chosen to go down that path well first of all i do think it's very tough for me as a person to compete with a syndicate that has 10 people or 50 people even some of them in their team to think that i can do a better job than them yeah. they are I, I trust that they know when they have an edge or not and that they're not just punting i think also 
like the way I first started, I was like, oh, I want to have like a big piece in everything. And then I realized, well, if I just take a small piece, it's a lot easier. And once you get the relationships uh, or partnerships going, it's a lot easier to add things in. And with scale, because you already are working with them, it's so much easier. Well, now all of a sudden I get this opportunity. Well, I can plug that with this and this. And then it's just like kind of snowballs. Yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. So, like, do you get lots of, I don't know how many people know that you do this, but do you get lots of people contacting you and, I guess, asking to to help them out? No, very few. I'm, I kind of have to be the one reaching out for most of this. Yeah. Are you, are you reaching out to like, I guess, other syndicates or other sharps or like tipsters or like, you know, because like a lot of the best players in the industry are like unknown. So how do you like yeah. find these people? Well, a lot of the people that I work with, they already work with. Like it's different. Like let's say uh, for me though, uh, let's say I work with, 10 different originators um, and you work with five different originators when we are collaborating like you you kind of have exclusivity over your five originators and i have over the ones i bring to to you but if we combine them well then we can bring more bets to the different uh outs that we have but what i'm always doing is i just always connect the outs with the originator so i don't have to be the one passing on bets because sometimes there will be some movements and if i'm getting bet, oh you're moving well they can control which outs they want to use instead of like having me send it to all five because it does happen that some accounts that they're using gets marked or rated and then starts to move so so i just kind of want to be not too much involved in the operation but rather yeah provide them with the different options and let them choose. Do you do you have like multiple or in some sports do you have multiple originators in, in sports yeah. that potentially don't even know each other? And like how do you how do you deal with that? Because there might be situations where uh you know someone bets X X team and then the price moves hugely and then you get some other bloke go, oh, fuck, the other side's pretty good now too. Do you ever, like, what do you do in those situations? That happens regularly and it's happened a lot, especially this week when you look at the Wimbledon. Like, uh, first of all, the markets are not very liquid and grass is a very, I would say, unique uh, surface in, in tennis. You don't get many matches on grass and, uh, throughout the year so i don't know it's like i've seen a lot of opposition like opposing of each other and people just booking each other and i just try to figure out like okay who do i think is strongest and whichever i think is strongest is uh, where i will lean my exposure mm. yeah it's tricky i guess because like they could potentially both be right especially if one's betting an hour before the other one you know once the they could be both be on the right side at the right at different numbers. So um, yeah, it must be tricky. But I, I think like like a I mean, maybe not in syndicates and stuff like that. But if you're getting like individual handicappers, originators like that you're working with, wouldn't it be like much better for you to connect those two handicappers together and get them to like try and work together? Or is that not really doable? Because I mean, like 
like I feel like it's like the I mean it's kind of the same as like CLV. It's like the wisdom of the crowd. You know, if yeah. you've got if you've got I feel like two really smart people in a sport working together is better than them each working individually. No, you're absolutely right. But the the only thing is like most of the originators that I that I have is not individuals, they're syndicates with okay. many people. So it's yeah. like yeah, a bit a bit difficult yeah. to, to to connect them. But of course if it's like an individual handicapper, sure, it makes a lot of sense. And it's like, look, for example, I really respect this guy and respect his opinion. And I'm sure he respects, uh, or uh, maybe if you guys are chatting together, you can learn a bit from each other. Because I mm -hmm. can see recently you've been opposing each other. And I don't know, but a lot of people, there's also, I haven't encountered it, but I do I believe in most sports, there's a lot of ego. Like uh, somebody being very biased on something and the other one being very biased on his things, meaning like, for example, let's say in the UFC, people are overestimating, or you might be overestimating someone's gas tank, and the other one might be uh, very sure that he won't last anyway, so uh, he will get knocked out in the first round. So you're like, hmm, okay, so what's going to happen? <laughs> Maybe the best there is to, to stay clear and then just go in in round two if the guy, like, if Manifield doesn't knock out Crute in the first round, let's go Crute. Let's maybe bet Crute the uh, decision. Maybe yeah. but of course that's difficult to bet uh, in play. But uh, you get what I mean. Uh, it's Sometimes there might not be an edge, but I'd rather not ask those questions than just take whatever piece. And if I have a couple of bets that is, for example, I bet one side 190 and then I bet the other side at evens, well, not really making any money and I'm losing regardless of who wins if I'm exposed the same. But it's okay, you know, long term it's gonna it's not happening that often, so I'll just take some some hits like that. Yeah, well, I think like UFC MMA is like probably the most I would say like the most prominent place in the betting arena where you're gonna have differing opinions from sharp people just because like all the sharp people in other sports, like team sports especially are most likely working with similar kind of like data, you know, what like they're going to like, they're all using models most likely. Whereas in something like the UFC, like yeah. you can't really no, use I'm... a model. So like there's going to like basically most of the originators in, in the UFC are going to like essentially be using their brain, <laughs> like in their eyes yeah. to come up with prices and like, how do you like you're just going to have so many differing opinions on yeah how much do you rate how much do you think this person's bad cardio factors in how much is the the power factor in you know what i mean so you must like that must be like a pretty yeah uh the, the last fight maybe was nine months ago and maybe she's done changed camp uh maybe she's just really focused on her gas tank or or he's gas she's tank. on roids <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know uh but I feel like in UFC, it's it's a lot of information out there that's very hard to get. And I do think there's a lot of people that's undervaluing what goes in between the fights. Like you could be taping somebody who fought nine months ago, but maybe she got a new grappling coach and you can see what that grappling coach has done for someone else. And okay, maybe now you're overestimating what that grappling coach will do for someone because they might not be that talented yeah. in this field. 
and uh, it's very tough and it's a lot of like you gotta guess a lot unless you have insight and actually knows what's been going on how much has he or she improved uh, in certain areas aspects yeah. of the game so and then you always have the fucking uh, the dream duo of uh, Sal Diamato and Chris yeah. Lee who are just <laughs> literally closing their eyes and scoring the round based on how their coin is landing. Yeah. Which is, ah, yeah, insane. That the yeah, thing. I know. Well, I, it, like, yeah, the UFC is just, or MMA in general is just like, there's so many, so many factors that you have to when when you can't really use models. I know you can, but to a certain extent. But like when like your what your eyes see is like a pretty huge determining factor in what a price should be. There's just uh, there's just so many variables, and I think the greatest like for anyone uh, looking to get into like UFC handicapping, like I would say that like a really good example of like how hard it is is if you look at someone like do you know Phil Halls the the middleweight who has no chin yeah 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 okay so he if he had a chin he would legit i would i would think would be like a top 10 middleweight probably maybe even top 5 like like he has every single skill you could ever want he's got good striking good power mm. uh he can wrestle maybe not great grappling but like he's got every single fundamental you want to be a great fighter. And in his last fight, he was, I think, 285 or something, maybe close to like 2.7 against a guy who he was, I would say, better at in MMA at every single thing. Maybe not wrestling. They were like on a pretty even keel. But like yeah. if he had a chin, he would be favorite. But he has no chin. And he was winning the first three minutes of the fight. And the bloke literally just taps him on the chin and he was out. Like, how do you how do you handicap something where you know one fighter is better than the other fighter, but if they just get touched on the chin? Like, you could potentially say Phil Hawes should have been, like, 10 in odds because at one time he's going to get touched probably. <laughs> but he might dominate <laughs> it, the other 14 so, minutes. So he, you would say that he has the worst uh, chin in, uh, in that division, right? Probably. I mean, so, but would you say like, because uh, then it goes into tendency, right? If you're, if you're looking at uh, where do you think the market is wrong? Do you think the market is undervaluing his chin, uh, overvaluing his chin? So the edge there, even though he's better, the best bet is just about the other guy KO because, yeah. well, if it goes decision, then the other the horse is going to win because he has he's the better fighter, like you're saying. So more often than not, that's not where you're going to get your value. Like betting the other guy decision is like the worst bet you can make in that fight that you came up with. Yeah. No, exactly. So, so then it's like, well, do you bet the unders because he got so bad chin or is that already calculated in? Uh, like, I don't know. It's tough. Like, you're, like what you're saying is... Uh, well, I it bet like it seems... two point eight five or something like that, and yeah, it wasn't a. It, yeah. I mean, you could say it was a great bet because he clearly looked like the better fighter, but he literally just got touched once and he was out. So it's like maybe he should have been like twenty in odds because, <laughs> like, in the UFC, you're gonna get touched on the chin. I don't care who you are, like, unless you're like Israel yeah, Adesanya, but... you're most likely gonna get clipped at 
and even he gets clipped every now and you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. I mean twenty sounds uh, like a long shot because even you know, like even to win the first round, like he's a big dude. So uh, yeah, no. he win the first round is probably like I don't know, seven, eight, nine I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's answer uh some of these questions. So sorry, John, we've taken some time, but he's uh He's got a question here. It is, do you have any suggestions for resources or any programming languages I could use to create my own program slash app to collate all the odds? I could use to collate all the odds. Uh, well, I do not know any resources or programming languages. I am not very tech savvy. Uh, I mean, you could probably reach out to some of the ones that's scraping, if that is TX odds, every matrix, or any of those uh, that provides uh, odds, and you could get those yeah. from buy, but you have to buy it from them, or you have to scrape it yourself. Uh, it really depends on your skills, I guess, and also resources. Um, if you are collecting them, sure, yes, you could also resale it and make a business out of it. But if you're just going to use it for yourself, it's probably cheaper to just buy it. But then again, how much edge is, is that generating? How much are you able to turn over? What kind of markets do you have? It's a tough one. Yeah. All right. Um, Brad, Brad says, is betting from abroad possible using a VPN? It's betting. Yeah, well it is on some like some sites will allow you to use vpn some sites will not and when they will not yeah. you will probably lose your funds because so yeah like bet 365 are like impossible so well i mean i've tried using vpns on them before and they detect it straight away but then i've used betway yeah. that was one that they had no idea but like it's just I wouldn't risk it. Would no, you? I mean, I'm using VPN for battery 65, but that's only if I want to stream something. But because my account is obviously worthless, but for streaming, it works sometimes with VPN, but not always. Yeah. Um, Michael says, G'day, lads. Love the channel. I have a rule never to take anything under 1.3 and Kelly bet over 6.0 on. Betfair, thoughts on this? It's been doing all right. Well, from what I understand, from the or it's hard to understand because how much is your bankroll? Like, yes, that varies in terms of like betting under dollar one thirty. Is that the odds instead of dollar? I, yeah, that's how we do it in Australia. Uh, yeah, so it's just one point three. Okay, yeah, no, um, I don't know. Like, as long as it's been doing all right, then. No need to change. I generally, like, uh, from my history, betting the higher the odds is, the worse it has performed. The lower the odds, the better it has performed. Yeah, he adds here, I found generally the market loves pile short favorites, 130 or less, and bookies have to adjust the underdogs to cover the lines. So the EV is generally on the underdogs. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not betting. Like, my everything that I've tried to do with One X Two, like betting on the underdogs, has never really performed well. But on Asian handicap, yeah, uh, then it's fine. But then the odds is also round two. 
Yeah. I feel like in general, though, like coming up with general rules on this kind of stuff is risky. Yeah. You know? Unless you're like been doing it a long time and you really know the market. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, and it's, every game is different just looking at the odds my first betting strategy that i made with a friend of mine was we looked at the norwegian bookmaker and whenever we found something that was priced 1.6 we thought it was gonna win and i think we went on like one the first 10 bets or something and we just like fuck we we sold betting at the age of 10 and uh then we realized that okay maybe we were just a bit lucky but you know it was always fun to just try to outsmart the, the thing even though we're just a massive fish yeah but it's not that easy <laughs> i would say yeah um we uh we can wrap things up soon yeah. but um so for people who are watching send through your last questions so here we go fred brady goes have you ever considered moving to the USA or Canada to profit from the new bookies there. And I'll add on to that, that they offer some unbelievably good welcome bonuses. I don't know if they still yeah. do, but yeah, it looks like a very good scene to be involved in at the moment. Yeah, no, for me, it's, I'm very happy with my current setup and my situation and, uh, to move over there is also, well, I don't know how easy it is. I looked into moving to the States a while ago, but it's like, what was it? I had to get like some kind of sponsorship visa and I had or investment visa and I had to invest a, like a million or something into through something else. Yeah, but I had to invest and you, those money could have been lost also because you're basically supporting people or projects and that's how you could get a visa. But it was not sure that your visa was going to get approved even. And I was just like, nah, that's just like, it was just too difficult. I mean, I love the US though, uh, or at least I used to love it, but now it seems like it's a bit mayhem over there with shootings and uh, like, <laughs> I mean, you look yeah. at, you see all this stuff from San Francisco, just people breaking into cars while driving on highway. And I'm like, fuck, no, I, I don't really want to live a life that's that's stressful. Uh, yeah. And the same in London, you see people going around in Mayfair and wherever and just getting their Rolex ripped off their arms and i'm kind of like done with that kind of thing i just want to live more relaxed now yeah you're an island boy mate island boy <laughs> you can uh, come over here and we can be the island boys oh wow that'd be that's very tempting mate i do get lots of lots of pressure from uh from the mists to to come over though so yeah you're more than welcome anytime uh, and I assume TMT is saying the, uh, the bonuses have dried up or the welcome bonuses. So I thought that might be the case by now because I feel like it got legalized in like New York maybe a year ago. So, yeah, the fund's probably run out by now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about, like, if you look at what DraftKings and was it FanDuel uh, that had the fantasy sites, they were all just going crazy to get the market share. And yeah. once they get the market share, they're just looking at it as an expense. Because even if they're losing, let's say, $500, or that's probably an exaggeration, but $500 on a bonus and they don't have to pay too much to get a customer, maybe it's worth it. Because yeah. what they get valued at and raising money and doing all of these things, well, this is not too much for them. And a lot of the people in the States, 
as wealthy people. Like I think it was how much was it in poker? Was it like I might be way off, but I think maybe it was like sixty percent or something like that of the poker economy came from the states before Black Friday. And if I remember correctly, I think maybe it was twenty five percent either of the states or the economy globally was came from California specifically, which just shows you like how many like how much money is to be made there. But I maybe I'm off with those things because I just remember it from a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, bread, bread question here before we get into the last bit of the show where i'll give you guys some bets for the weekend and maybe jonas has got some too i didn't i didn't sharp sessions mate we uh we like to give the people what they want so if okay. you've got any uh any juicy ones for the for the you know the boys and girls out there get get some ready mate um okay. bread bread says i can answer this one because i have some experience in this area now uh, what's your thoughts on the grey area of tax-free betting? Would you ever think one would have to pay taxes on gambling winnings in Australia if they were deemed a professional? Basically, in my first year of being a professional, I didn't pay any uh, tax just because I was able to to show that, like, this wasn't my full, like, I wasn't making enough money that it was could be deemed professional or it could just like basically be deemed a hobby but then obviously once your bankroll grows and you're betting more winning more etc once it gets to a point where you are surpassing looking like a you know hobby gambler then like any industry you have to pay taxes so sure your your betting will be tax-free while you're just doing it for fun Maybe if you're doing it part time, or maybe just doing it casually. Um, but if it turns into like this is your only income, and it's like a significant amount of your this is in Australia. I'm talking for. I don't know what it's like in other places, but yeah, you will have to pay tax like everyone else. Even yeah, <clears throat> which is it's kind of an interesting thing, but. Because, like, you know, you could potentially lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, not get any rebate on that. But I guess it's like any kind of business really, isn't it? Essentially, if you're a professional gambler, you're running a business. So, yeah, got to pay your taxes, unfortunately. All right. Yeah. Okay. I've given you some time, mate. So we're weekend best bets, mate. I, I normally give away three. You don't have to go okay. to that number, but if you just want to give away okay. one, mate, for the for the for the boys and girls. All right, we're gonna go for some uh, underdogs because we all have a good underdog story. Um, Chris Eubanks, I think like he's playing very good on grass, and Nori, I'm not too sold on. So I think you're getting like close to four in odds on Eubanks or Snorri in the, uh, in Wimbledon. And yep. I, I like Eubanks. You can also play a bit more safe and play with the handicap, game handicap or set handicap. All right. There I see 365, I have him 375. You can probably get a bit more on the exchanges or pinnacle. Okay. And if you want, okay, I'll do one more. Yeah. Very, nice unknown, tennis, very unknown tennis player, Vatanuki, playing against Sverev. Sverev struggled in his uh, previous match. Was barely beating, or barely beating, he 
one in straight sets, but he played uh, uh, Brower, a qualifier from Netherlands, and was able to win 3-0, but two of the games came to tiebreak. Not really sold on Zverev yet, and Watanuki is a player on form. Gone deep in some tournaments and playing well. Six in odds on 365, and probably better on exchanges and pin. Is this um, what kind of what kind of strategy are we going for here? Is this like a a syndicate play? Is this a just a Jonas reading the market kind of play? Is this like you've been up all night watching tennis kind of play? What are we thinking? <laughs> I don't have a name for this. It's just uh, based on what I've been seeing so far. I uh, I've been impressed with them. I saw also like for example, Eubanks. He had a very I think he opened minus 3.5, uh, favorite against Montero in the first round and closed minus 4.5. So market really liked him also. Sverev uh, yeah. was also, I think, well, he didn't move too much, was a plus 7, and I think he closed plus 7, but a big underdog on plus 7, like a 210 or something like that. So yeah. mark money coming in against both of them. And... Uh, Nori against Mahaka, I think also money came in on Mahaka. I think it was like you could get six and in winning and it closed close to five or something. So mm. just kind of looking at the movements and then taking them on. So there was uh, markets moving in the favor of both of these guys and against both of these guys. But of course, it's tennis. I, I'm not a qualified uh, modeler and looking at how they will match up against each other because it could just be that the big uh, server is favored against certain player and not the other. So don't bet your house or do all of these uh, things on this. This is just some punts. All right. Love it, mate. Uh, well, for me, I am going to, by the way, successful last week. We went yeah. two for three. We had a void. So we went two, zero, and one, as they Ooh. say, and uh, <clears throat> as they would say in the, you know, UFC, UFC, yeah, we had a void, so so we're uh, we're undefeated on the show, mate. So I hope you uh, I hope you can keep that streak going before the UFC starts on the weekend. But actually, we have got one tonight: uh, Canberra Raiders versus I think they're playing the Dragons from memory. Uh, Jordan Rapana, anytime try scorer, one point nine five with bet three six five. I even like to give the the crowd a little bit of a unit staking here just to re like as a reference for the you know so they they know how much to how big to go so on a scale from zero to five i like to go with we're going to go 3.5 on that one uh how do you say yoregi yoregi by decision do you reckon that's good pronunciation yoregi yasmin yoregi yorogi in the in the ufc you know I don't know how to pronounce it now. She's Mexican, so I don't know. I think it's Yuregi, something like that. But she's fighting a girl called Denise Gomez. So you can bet Yuregi to win by decision at 2.25 at bet 3652. You should probably get that at other places too. It's pretty available. We'll go 3.5 units on that too. And you mentioned it before, mate. You kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Crute. We'll go the big, the big outsider, Croup by decision versus uh, Alonzo Menafield. One point five units on that one. You should be able to get six point five uh, or maybe sixes. That's all good to take. Um, so yeah, 
So we're having we're having a cool little accumulator. If we're calculating six and four on the bets that I gave, and you had a six point five, you had a one ninety five, and what was the two twenty five? Yeah. There you go, seven hundred odds on a little five fold accumulator. You can get all of those at Bet three six five too if you got an account there. Okay, well, six hundred in odds if that wins. Uh, then I'd be tilted. I, I actually would be tilted because I don't have any place to put the, those accumulators in. <laughs> it would okay. be like bittersweet. Sure, it's good to be like we're winning some bets, but uh, seven hundred. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be worth a tenner. Jordan Rapan is at two hundred five now. Fuck. Wait, is that a bet three six five? It must be somewhere else. Anyway. Um, let me know if you where uh, you can get two. If I got did get twos at Ladbrokes and Neds earlier in the week, but uh, yeah, all right, we uh, we'll see how those goes. Oh, it's got the blows, mate. That means it was a really bad pick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd uh, go two o five. Then we'll change it two o five. Then we get three point five units on that. Happy days. All right. Yeah. That'll do us. Any last uh, last minute questions here? No, I don't think so, mate. It's been a it's been a pleasure having you on. For those in the stream right now, please give it a like. Do all the good stuff. Subscribe to the channel. Go on Twitter. Give Jonas a follow. He's uh, he'll tell you all about his his recent flight travels and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, he's a thrilling follow. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll start becoming more active. I'm trying to myself, but it's quite uh. It's kind of outside my comfort zone, and I don't. Maybe really what like... we needed. Yeah. Maybe what we needed is just Meta to start uh, their new site, Threads, and that's what we were looking for. Yeah, what is that? I'm not really. Into... I don't really follow. I have no that. idea. Yeah, I, I think it's it like all. Twitter. Twitter, uh, but uh, three Insta or something, or. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh well, we'll see how that goes. But um, mate, thanks for coming on. Any uh, last yeah. shout-outs? Anything you want the people to go check out? Follow you on anything like that? What happened to uh, Overbet Express? Uh, Espen won the WSOP main event and uh, bought us all out to shut down the company. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sick exit. Now we just uh, kind of. Well, I I didn't really enjoy all the streaming. Uh, playing poker, I kind of wanted to transition away from poker and play less and uh then it was like well who's gonna do what who's gonna do what and it just espen wanted to go kind of all in on his uh vlogging and these kind of things so it was not really didn't make a lot of sense to do it as a group with the structure we had yeah. um so he just started doing stuff by himself and i think this also was tiring for him so he stopped doing that so now it's more like yeah everybody's just doing some different things and yeah. uh, Henry is doing a lot of commentary with Triton, APT, and some other party poker stuff. So everyone kind of like is very happy with what they're doing. And Phil is doing editing for ACR and a couple of other people. Like uh, everyone kind of benefited from it in a, one way or another, but just didn't want to commit. Because in order to become a big streamer, you just need to do it so consistently. Consistently. Yeah. And none of us really were, or we all didn't find like a good way to get keep it going. But it was fun. We probably will do some streams from time to time, but nothing, nothing uh, is scheduled or 
yeah so we'll see all right mate well it's been fun catching up and yeah. i'm sure that the people here have enjoyed hearing about what you've been up to but Thanks, everyone, for watching. Like I said, like, subscribe, do all the good stuff. I'll be back next Friday um, for episode three. Uh, I'm not too sure what we'll get up to. Maybe I'll come up with something to talk about, but the main thing is you all join in and uh, maybe you can fire some questions at me. Good stuff, mate. I will uh, yep. we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, man.